3: This is Bear Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to The Tom Sumner Show. And hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour, known as the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to shift gears, talk about something a little different, a uh, new book. It's uh, an anthology of stories, poems, and art created by Pops members and grads called Dear Friends. Pops is... Uh, refers to a school-based program that acknowledges the pain of the prison system inflicted on children um, called Pops the Club and uh, we have joining me by phone is uh, I'm gonna see if I can do this Uh, it's gonna be a little tricky see if we can make this work See if she can catch up with us. Uh, joining me by phone are uh, communications ambassadors and POPs alumni, Holly Caps and Catherine Cicada. And I think I'm saying those names right. Um, and the phone keeps ringing. Hello? Oh well welcome to live radio folks joining me now by phone holly caps and catherine cicada holly catherine good morning and welcome to the show hello well and for some reason i'm not hearing them i guess they'll have to disconnect and call back that happens once in a while Hopefully they can hear me, and, and that does happen where they can hear me and I can't hear them. Um, in any event, we're going to talk about this uh, this book, Dear Friends, with uh, Holly and Catherine as soon as we get connected with them. And as I mentioned, they're communications ambassadors and POPs alumni. POPs is POPs the Club, launched in 2014. Uh, it's a school-based program that acknowledges the uh of the prison system and I haven't heard back from either one of them yet Holly
4: hi speaking
3: and Catherine
4: yes hi
3: well I am absolutely sorry I had a little problem transferring the calls over but we got it now so we're all set to go Um, and and Catherine, you tried to call in while I was connecting with Holly, and anyway, welcome to live radio, both of you.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much.
3: Um, Tell me about this book, Dear Friends. It's it's an anthology of stories, poems, and art. Is it an annual thing?
1: Yeah, so um, our anthology is, this is going to be our eighth one, um, it's a collection of student work that is created um, that has been inflicted by the incarceration of a loved one in their life.
3: And, and how do uh, students? Um, this is is a, a school based program. How do the students get recruited for the program?
4: Um, well, in my case. Um, I was a 10th grader at Venice High School, and the co-founder of Popsi Club, Venice Mancigar, was actually my English teacher, and he would always, like, talk about Popsi Club and to join, so one day I told my best friend that we should go, and we went, and we were welcomed with um, hugs, warm food, and then I was fortunate enough to see a lot of my other friends that we have the opportunity to talk about
3: things that we don't normally talk about. Well, and that's one of the things that, that I wonder about. How difficult is it to get young people to trust the group? Um, the information that they're sharing is, is information they very often hide from peers and and others.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I feel like there's a lot of stigma and shame around having someone who's incarcerated in your life. Um, but I, the beauty of our club and our organization is that when we, we are at schools and there's a presence there where we are wanting to talk about the things that are so often neglected, I think it's really exciting for kids because for so long, like, there's, they can't talk about that with, you know adults in their life or their peers because people don't know how to react but having someone open you with open like welcome arms and really just listen to you I think is really refreshing and so a lot of these kids feel trust immediately some of them warm up to it by listening to other stories first but they all know that it's a safe place
3: you know I I I don't know if this is insensitive or not, but I used to travel around with a band, and and we had this one band member that used to make this joke on the microphone to the audience about how how nice it was to see everybody out there in the audience, and he said, "I'm I'm hoping my parents will come out and see the band one of these days when they get out of prison." And it, um,
4: yep.
3: and and it it. It came across funny, but in an uncomfortable way, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, go ahead, Ollie. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I think that it is just like a really uncomfortable thing to hear, especially if you haven't been inflicted by incarceration in your life. Um, A lot of the time we don't know what to say because, you know, like that's, that's so out of our scope of knowledge but honestly, the only thing that you can do is really just don't don't say I'm sorry or be pitiful towards these people. But just you know, support them. Be like, hey man, I totally understand what you're saying. You know, just just being there and listening to people who have experienced these types of things really just makes the difference.
3: Is there a, um, oh, for lack of a better word, a a profile a a typical home situation is it um, are are these kids do they have a a father in prison and they're living with their mother or they're the children of a single parent household and the parent goes to jail or prison and and where do they end up? Where are they coming to the group from? Um, A lot of our
4: students we either come from um living with a single parent and we can have like a father incarcerated or a mother incarcerated and then we also have our students who have a sibling incarcerated um and that really holds a huge like a huge uh toll on our students which is why we have the opportunity to write about it and create art um Talk about these hardships, and to have this, especially in schools, uh, pops the club. um, We see a lot of change in our students, and um, yeah, I feel like a lot of our students just have um, parents incarcerated.
1: Um, I I I, I can add on to that, Kat. I um, personally, myself, I I had my my mom go to jail and then also my brother has been in and out of the system um so you know it's really just every situation is so unique because people have been inflicted um you know just by maybe it's just an uncle or an aunt but if it's someone who's really important and crucial in their life it can impact an entire family and i think that's the real thing here is that we focus so much on, like, people going to prison and then the stigma around that prison, but what about the families that are behind all these stories? You know, so it's very different, and sometimes we have kids who are maybe just, they don't have anyone in their family who's incarcerated, but maybe they're the friend of somebody who has a family member incarcerated, and they want to just understand what it is to, to, to nurture somebody who's going through something like this, and that's why... We welcome everybody with open arms. It doesn't matter if you have experienced this or not. If you want to learn about it, we're here to educate you.
3: I imagine it's a different situation for each person in the group. Um, are are the children of people that are incarcerated, are they going to see these family members, whether it's a sibling or a parent, um, on are are they, are they doing the visiting day thing, or do they just kind of avoid the whole thing?
1: Um, I would say that really depends on the individual situation, uh, especially if it's a parent. I would say a lot of people do visit their family members um, in prison and do visitation. Um, there are people who also are completely estranged from those family members and don't talk to them at all. Um, But that's why our anthology gives them an opportunity to reconnect with those family members who are incarcerated, because by, you know, by working with them through our program and really encouraging them to be creative, we then can have them express their emotional feelings that they may not have been able to put into words before. Um, And then our anthology is available in prisons across uh, America, so that way that their their loved ones, even if they aren't talking to them aren't communicating with them, they are able to read and experience what their you know their child or their sibling or their niece or nephew are feeling
3: is it uh, are, are the um the kids that participate in pops the club are they being encouraged to write and create things about what they're feeling or is, is it just an opportunity to um, encourage them to build up their self-confidence by creating anything?
4: The students have an opportunity to um, express how they feel. No one is truly pressured to speak. A lot of our students normally... Um, just come to POPS meetings just to listen to other people and eventually um, feel comfortable, like Holly said, just feel comfortable with um, speaking about what's going on in their life. Um, The purpose of writing and the artwork of students that do it in POPS, um, it's just like a safe way to say things that may feel unsafe to say out loud. Um, I remember for me, my experience as a 10th grader when I was at Venice, um, I was so scared to speak about what was going on at home because a lot of parents, but in my case, you, I would, my mother would say, like, don't talk about um, problems from home. Keep that to yourself. And I just felt up a lot of anger. And, um, and when I started to hear my other peers that, also were going through the same thing and their parents were seeing the same thing. It just felt like a relief for each other to just speak about everything. And we had amazing teacher sponsors, amazing volunteers that would also help us um, in our writing and just encourage us to um, to speak up and just tell our story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, um, Thank you for sharing that, Kat. I, I actually was on the opposite end of the spectrum. I was so ready to talk about everything <laughs> that was going on, um, and I, I honestly felt that Pops was such a safe haven for me. So my first day, I was, I was blabbering away, like after speaking with the volunteers there. I couldn't help but get my story out. And that's why I quickly became, I was at Santa Monica High School, but I quickly became the president of our our club over at Santa Monica High. So it's really interesting to see how, like, the dichotomy between both Kat and I and our stories are so different, but we still ended up here together on this path of success.
3: Are the emotions the same, even though the circumstances might be very different from case to case?
1: I would say yes, uh, for the most part. Like, I... I would say there's a lot of confusion at this time and I f- and anger. I feel like those are the two real big ones that stand out to me. But again, it is different on a case-by-case basis. People do sure. take things differently, and every situation and why somebody has been inflicted by incarceration can differ.
3: Catherine, Holly, I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more?
1: Yeah, Absolutely.
3: Great. My guests are uh, Holly Capps and Catherine Cicada, communications ambassadors and Pops alumni, talking about the uh, anthology of stories from Pops members called Dear Friends. We're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well.
1: Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner.
2: Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection.
4: Hello,
3: this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with the uh, communications ambassadors and uh, POPs uh, alumni, Holly Capps and Catherine Sakaida who joined me by phone. Catherine, Holly, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh,
1: no, it was it was a joy to hear all those Michigan ads. <laughs>
3: um, you know, you said something, and I can't remember, Holly, if it was you or if it was uh, Catherine, who said something about the stigma in being the... Um, being a kid in school uh, who has a parent or family member incarcerated. And where does that stigma come from? Is there some kind of sense of um, responsibility that somehow it's their fault or they could have, should have done something to help a person that, that ended up incarcerated?
1: Um, yes, I, so I actually mentioned the stigma point here, and I, I feel like that is a really important word to use when we're talking about the incarceration um, in America, because, yes, a lot of people, especially the youth, um, do feel that they are responsible or that they could have had some type of difference in, you know, the the incarceration of their, their parent or their sibling or whatever loved one in their life that has been. Um, I, I think that it takes a really big toll on somebody who's young. And I, that's something that we neglect a lot because I don't think that we realize how aware children really can be. Um, and so it doesn't matter, like it could be somebody, even if it's not a teenager, like some of sometimes we're working with students who are a little bit younger, 13, 12 even. Um, and they're just as receptive to what's going on around them in their life. And a lot of the time they take on that shame and they take on that anger that comes from losing their parent and are really just lost. And so a lot of the time, because they feel the shame, they don't feel that they can talk about it, and their emotions come out in actions, so that they may misbehave in school or, you know, get affiliated with the wrong crowd, per se but that's just because they're trying to to be noticed. And, you know, I feel that we go about this in the wrong way where we want to punish kids who are acting out like that, but what they really need is mentorship, and that's what we are offering with POPs.
3: I would think that, that um, young people who have a parent or guardian that's uh, been incarcerated and they end up living with a remaining single parent or some other relatives, grandparents, uh, aunts, uncles, Um, I would think that a lot of times they have to listen to family members saying bad things about the person who's been incarcerated, and that's got to be really tough.
4: Yeah, so for me, my, my father was in and out of jail, and um my mother never really put down my dad but she would say like, Oh, like he's in there because he did this and that's just part of the law and I was like, Okay, like there's nothing I can do other than visit him. Um It sounds like it like-
3: sounds like your mom was pretty good about trying to be honest with you and and uh, sort of reassuring that this isn't um, something unusual or, or something um, that runs in the family or, or, or yeah. whatever things might be going through your head but I wonder if if some other kids maybe you know have to have to deal with someone that they care about is in jail and people are talking bad about them.
1: I would, I would say that I had that experience myself, um, you know, coming from a neighborhood that's just a cute little suburbia where there is not a lot of, uh, not a lot going on that, you know, at least not that we can see. I would say more goes on behind closed doors, and it's all about keeping up appearances. So, you know, when... My my brother was going in and out of jail a lot before um, my mom was arrested. And uh, I would say that that was something that my mom was always not very fond of. And she would always talk down on people that were in that lifestyle or would make choices that way. Um, and then, you know, the real irony of it all is that she ended up being that herself. Um, and so I really think, that when people are criticizing it it's because they may find it relatable. You
3: know, um, I have to I have to ask Holly because you can't just drop a bomb like, you know, my mom used to trash pe- trash people in jail and then she ended up going to jail. I have to ask, how did she get dragged in?
1: Um, yeah, so I would say that, you know, my mom, she just really struggled with a lot of addiction problems oh. and she just wasn't the best she wasn't ready to have a child. I would just say that. And, um, you know, I I love her and, you know, we're working on our relationship now. But at the time of my life, she just wasn't there for me in the way that she needed to be. And that was part of the reason that she ended up going to, to jail.
3: When you share information like this with other people in the POPs group, is is there a sense that you know that someone jumps up and says oh yeah me too and and that that lifts some weight off of you knowing that you're not alone
1: a thousand percent i feel like when i started, finally started to meet other people who had experienced at least some type of situation that was similar to my own and you know besides being in uh in Pops, I also had court-ordered anger management and Alateen and, you know, all these other programs that come around, you know, just coming off of a court case. Um, so I was just really thrown into the thick of it, and I was just desperate to find anyone that would genuinely listen to me. And, you know, the thing about going to, to court, and this was my second custody case um, in my life, um, you have to tell your story over and over and over And after a while, it gets tiresome because, like, you're like, are these people even listening to me? Like, how many times do I have to explain this to a judge, to a social worker, to a police officer? You know, I, so. I, I just,
3: I, I'm i sorry, but I, I just pictured you sitting there. Can't somebody write this down somewhere so I don't have no, to tell Barry, this story again? that is exactly
1: again? how I felt. I, I was just like, I, I, someone must be writing this down. I know that there's somebody who's typing up the entire transcript of this, this court case right now, you know? So I... I was just frustrated, and I was like, nobody's listen- listening to me, so to come to Santa Monica, and, you know, I didn't know anybody. I moved in the middle of my freshman year after living somewhere for seven years and establishing friends and a life. To leave that all behind was one of the scariest things I ever did, but it was so important in my growth, and Pops was really there to to help me through that transition like no one else could, and to finally be heard like that was just It was so profound and made such an impact on me and my self-esteem. It really started to get me back to a place where I felt good about myself and I didn't feel so shameful.
3: You know, I keep referring to uh, both of you as um, communications ambassadors, but POPs alumni, what does it mean to be a POPs alumnus?
4: Um, so we just, when we graduate, we continue to be connected with POPs, and that means having uh, with me anthologies, that means doing media, spreading the word. Um, we have our own business cards where we can, if we run into someone outside and we end up having a conversation about um, parents incarcerated or loved ones incarcerated, um, we can hand those out to them. But being in a, a POPs alumni, it just means that our hearts are here forever, and uh, we want to continue um, sharing POPs, and we also want to mentor our high school students because we were once in their shoes. How
3: does um, POPs actually work? How is it structured, and and what does it mean to graduate? Is there a certain um, amount of time or certain Things that you need to do and accomplish to reach graduation. How does that? How does that all work?
1: So, pops, the way that our structure works. So, we're a nonprofit organization that works in high schools all across America. Um, what we do is we have these clubs that meet at lunch. So, we'll have a group of volunteers, so people who are just part of our maybe our board or. That just want to be involved in the um, nonprofit organization. They come and volunteer their time, and we also sometimes will have guest speakers, and that could be somebody who is an author or uh, a performer or, or somebody who has been incarcerated before, and they want to tell their story, and so we can hear different sides of things. Um, so we have all these types of different entertainment and people that are going to spark that creativity come into these classrooms. And we also do provide hot food um, for every every club that we uh, we go to. And it's really just a, about creating a fun environment. And, you know, we may not immediately jump into the nitty-gritty of, like, what's what's behind all of that emotion, but we're just kind of coaxing it out of these kids by, by getting them to loosen up and feel comfortable in this space and, you know, take it they don't have, no, again, nobody has to share. So this really is just about creating a nice, safe space where people can share if they feel so inclined to.
3: And is there, I don't know, uh, is it a two-year program, a one-year program? Is it based on accomplishing certain exercises? And how do you determine that it's graduation day?
1: Yeah, so I wouldn't say there is ever really a graduation time. I mean, there's a point where our students do graduate high school, but whether they want to stay affiliated with the, the organization or with the club is really up to them. Um, I feel like, you know, Kat and I have graduated some years ago now, but, you know, we we still just felt so strongly about this organization and wanting to be a part of it that, you know, it's been now – I graduated in 2019, so it's been about three years now since I graduated, and I'm still wanting to spend all of my free time that I can, you know, supporting this. And I feel like that's... When they do make that big of an impact on your life, like, it's something that you want to continue to give to you because you you get so much from it, you know? So there's not really a cutoff time, I would say. Okay, so it's it's
3: school-centered, and if you graduate from that particular school you may be walking away for the, from the program or you may continue to be involved it's it's um it's it's driven by its connection to the school then Exactly Okay well that's that's interesting um how does it spread from school to school? How, how do schools that don't have this program uh, find out more and, and get involved?
4: Well, um, the founder of Popsa Club, Amy Friedman, would normally um, go to schools and talk to the principal and possibly know a teacher that is willing to sponsor that club. And then we also have our board directors who will um, have like connections to schools that probably don't have this club that should be there. Um, So it's just by word of mouth. And that's also how our students know about POPs is like a friend will go to a club, POPs meeting, and then spread the word from there. But um, that's just how it normally goes, word by mouth, making connections and Having POPS in other schools around America.
3: You know, as we were talking, I had uh, uh, a feeling that that I had talked with people about this program before. And uh, just now, when you mentioned Amy Friedman, she's been a guest on the show before. Yeah. And and I didn't make the connection right off. I I was queuing off of your names. And, and I didn't make the connection I'm glad uh, I'm glad I finally did though um, this is a, uh, a fascinating um, program how how many books end up circulating these anthologies like this one that's out now dear friends um, I like I've, how many Oh, sorry go
1: ahead yeah, I would. So again, this is going to be our eighth anthology, so our eighth year. Um, I would say a lot of it does have to do with how many people we think are interested, but there are thousands of them. Um, you know, we have this book that's going to be available on Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and you know, we also have our own link through our pops, um, our pops Instagram. We always promote that there, and it is available for pre-order now. Um, but it is coming out in May, and. It is all of the profits that are from this are going to help this organization and keep it running. You know, that's, that's how we fund these uh, anthologies. That's how we have food for all these students. That's how we are able to get people who, to come and speak and, you know, have these events and things like that. So it really, like, the anthology as a whole and the amount of success that it does have really does keep this club going and it keeps it active.
3: Do you happen to know, and, I, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot or anything, but do you happen to know where the where the word Pops came into this as a name of the group?
4: Yeah, so Dennis Danziger, the co-founder of Pops the Club, um, I believe it was 2013 or 2012, um, he and some students um, came together and they wanted to, a club at Venice High School that was related to um, loved loved ones incarcerated children who have been impacted by this. So the students went around in a circle, and um, they came up with the name Pops the Club because they wanted um, the word "pain" of the prison system to be involved because there's a oh. lot of. Okay, uh, so it is an acronym. Yes, so, yeah, so Pops does stand for Payment of the Prison System and high school students and the co-founder of Pops the Club came up with it.
3: Well, I think it's it's a very clever and a very worthwhile cause. Um, how often do you get out and talk about this and would you be able to do a, a conversation like this had you not Spent time with other people in the pops program
1: um you know I would say I would say yes and no. Um, I think that the idea of thinking on live radio about our experiences like in some of the most traumatic parts of our lives <laughs> um, that that wasn't something that we probably foresaw in our future, um, but it was it was something that I was excited about. You know, again, with having to tell my story over and over, and this isn't the first time that Kat and I have done uh, speaking for POPs, obviously, because we are communications ambassadors for the organization. Right. So we do live events as well, where we do speak to donors and, you know, other people who are interested in learning about the organization. So I feel that, you know, we are a lot more comfortable talking about this type of thing now. Um, But... it really has brought us, this whole experience and working with them has brought us out of our shell and really made us into better people because of it. And I have to say, I don't think I would have the social skills or the confidence in my self-esteem that I that I have now without the help of POPs.
3: Well, and I imagine that's probably different from person to person. I have two daughters, one that won't tell anybody anything and the other one that tells everybody everything.
4: Yeah, but. Kind of like my situation. So I have an older sister. She doesn't speak about anything, but I am like, I need to talk about it because it just builds up. So I definitely know what you're talking about.
3: Do you you feel better when you get it, when you get it out, either in conversation or through uh, creative endeavors like, like writing or art or
4: music? Oh, yeah. I definitely feel better. Um but then I also feel like I shouldn't have said anything. But at the end of the day, like these are real issues and real challenges that people go through, and I know I'm not alone. That's why I feel so like I feel just like a relief that I've spoken about things. And then some things I'm not comfortable saying, so I have my own journals, and I just write down everything and. One of the exercises that I do want to mention that I learned from being at Venice High School um, and having the co-founder of Pops the Club, Dennis Danziger, as my English teacher, it's called cycle writing, and a lot of our clubs do it as well. But basically, the cycle writing is just to, um, to write down anything without having a thought, just like anything that comes up to your mind, just write it down and you only have two minutes to write it down. And you don't have to look back at it. You don't have to read it. You can just toss it or just keep it in a journal. And just having that little exercise really just gets my mind running and gets my mind trained to be like, okay, I really do need to dig deep into my thoughts, into thoughts that I have pushed down for many years, and just writing it down feels the same thing as just, speaking it out loud. So it goes both ways, depending on exactly what I want to talk about.
3: Uh,
1: you- thank you so much for sharing. I'm sorry about that. But thank you so much for sharing that, Kat. I actually, I would say that same exercise is what really got me started on my my poetry. Um, and actually, both Kat and I write poetry and have poetry pieces in this upcoming anthology. Um, and so a really big part of you know healing for me and that was just really cathartic was that writing and it really like Pops really just nurtured that for us and I feel like it pushed us to to really like hone in on that talent that we both have and spend a lot of time um, working on our poetry and because of my publications with Pops the anthology I have also you know had publications for online magazines and things like that. So it really opened a whole door of opportunity um, just by, you know, initially starting with an exercise like cycle riding.
3: Well, this is great. I think you guys are awesome. We're just about out of time, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. Is, Is there a website that you'd like to share?
4: Yes, it's called um, popclub dot org, and you can also look us up on Instagram at pop the club, um, and yeah, we're all over social media, Twitter, um, and yeah.
3: <laughs> well, thank you both for uh, sharing uh, this time and your stories with me and the listeners this morning, and, of course, the work that you do in the book and with your with your peers, and um, keep up the good work. Hey, thank, thank you, you so,
4: so much,
3: much for much.
1: having us.
4: All
3: right. Take yeah. care.
1: Goodbye. Bye.
3: That was uh, Holly Caps and uh, Catherine Sakaida, Communications Ambassadors and POPs alumni. And we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with the final segment of today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, today is um, the uh, Masters Tournament in Augusta, Georgia gets underway. Tiger Woods making a comeback, we think. We'll... Uh, we'll We'll see how he does um in any event uh oh they were supposed to tee off about an hour ago uh for that uh for that tournament um but I said we might squeeze in one more little uh little hat tip and we'll do that in the final segment um when uh with some old fashioned radio featuring uh, charlie McCarthy and w. c. fields on the links.
4: Hey! <laughs> this is the unknown comic,
3: and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now.
0: Hi, this is Anne Serling and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
5: Uh, what about that golf tournament that you and W.C. Fields were supposed to play off yesterday? Mm-hmm. Who won? Well, we, we didn't get very far, Bill. You didn't, Ed? What was the matter? Well, I should have known better than to let Charlie caddy for us, of course. <laughs> well, Edgar, do you mean there was trouble? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what happened, Bill. See, Charlie and I got out there first. And it, was a, it was a beautiful morning. It was a great day. And a perfect day for golf, I see. And, uh, Did we, did we have to get out of here so early? Yeah. You know, it's, it's awful cold out here this time of day. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'll just bet you anything Mr. Fields doesn't even show up at this time. Oh, well, now, he promised he would be here at 6.30. He did, that. Huh? Yes, he did. Me, my mom, dad, mom. a sucker for singing out that little Jane Powell, Jane not My voice isn't anything like hers at uh, all. Oh. No, it is, yes, no. WC, wife. Uh, You're a walking ad for Black Corby, Bill, are we? Uh, hello, Mr. Fields. Hello. Oh, uh, Hello, my little chum. I was view only yesterday. No, you were? Yes, I was cleaning out the woodshed at the time. <laughs> Why did me view? Yes. Yeah. Mr. Fields, is that your nose or a new kind of flame flower? <laughs> Very funny, Charles. Very funny. What's this kid doing around here anyway, Edgar? Well, I'm going to be your caddy, Mister Fields, and I'm going to keep score too. Uh oh. (laughs) Mrs. Banks, well, uh, would you rather I kept score, Bill? Well, to be perfectly frank with you, Edgar, I never trusted either one of you. (laughs) What do you mean by that crack? I want you to know that Bergen is just an honest man as you are. You crook, you That tips off the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> You'd better come out of the sun, Charles, before you get unglued here. Yeah. Do you mind if I stand in the shade of your nose? <laughs> Let's not start that now, fellas, please. Now, I'm sure that Charlie will be very fair as a scorekeeper for... Boys. Uh, tell me, Charles, if I take three drives and three putts, what's my score? Well, that says three and three, uh, that's uh, four, Mr. Sears. Oh, uh, very good. <laughs> very good, Charles. How do you arrive at four? Well, I'll tell you. You see, when you were putting, the corner fell out of your pocket, you Oh, yes, yes. Oh, isn't this a lovely day, Bill? Lovely. You know the air is so intoxicating. Intoxicating. It is, eh? Stand back and let me take a deep breath. I want you to be quiet, Charlie. Mr. Fields is going to tee off. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, quiet, please. I shall now take my usual stance. Well, no, I wouldn't do that. The ground's a little wet. Oh, no. Quiet. You Hermite's flophouse. <laughs> I want you to keep quiet out He's getting ready to drive. Oh, yes, yes, I'm sorry. Now, if you don't mind a suggestion, Bill, if you're not holding your club right, uh, bend your elbow a little more. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Telling Fields how to bend his elbow. Huh? That's like carrying Coles to Newcastle. Huh? <laughs> Charles, my little pal. Oh, yes, Mr. Fields. Do you know the meaning of rigor mortars? <laughs> no, sir. Well, you will in a minute. Oh. Now, let's try and avoid that sort of a thing. And Charlie, I want you to stop it. Yes, yes. You see, you have Mr. Fields all unstrung. Oh, yeah. Somebody get me a set of there uh, with an olive in it. <laughs> me, gentlemen. Could I play through? Well, we'd rather you didn't, you see. We're getting along in a minute now. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Of course, there's no harm in asking. (laughs) I wouldn't be so sure. better get on with the game now. Of course, Edgar, I have a tag. Did I ever tell you of the time I was caddy master at the Bunk for Heiden country club? No, Bunk for Heiden? I didn't know he could sit here, don't That was a tough one to say, Did too. <laughs> it was the top Mount Jungfrau in Switzerland. All right, Bill, now there are people waiting to play through. Oh, I have a lot, I have a lot of time left. Uh, Edgar, I hit a ball nine and three-quarter miles. <laughs> It rolled in an open manhole in front of swoven swob and I don't believe I've ever heard of the place. I don't know where it is. Ah, uh, it's been a stone throw from uh, Wolfinger J Uncoupler's place. Uh, yes. uh, well, I don't know where that is either. I don't know about that. Oh, uh, you don't get around much, do you? <laughs> I say, old chaps, would you mind awfully? Yes, we would. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Caddy, what's the score? How do I stand? I often wonder. I often... No score, Bill. We haven't started playing yet. Oh, so sure we haven't, Cuddy. Uh, you'd better give me my ball out of uh, my golf bag. Yes. Is it is it, uh, is it in this compartment, sir? Uh, no, that's where I keep my eye. Oh, you know, this is the first golf bag I ever saw with a faucet on it. What's in there? Oh, little snake bite remedy. Oh. You Excuse me, gentlemen, but I'm the president of the Greens Committee. Well, I'll take you <laughs> Well, just what do you want? Well, I'm afraid you're being a little too turf on the top. I mean too rough on the top. Uh, I don't know what I mean. <laughs> What's the fellow with that guy? Is he got VCs? Uh, yeah. You see, before you gentlemen, the shattered wreck of a man. (laughs) An unhappy creature who has ceased to know the joys of human existence. Ah, teetotaler, eh? (laughs) Sir, I have no sympathy for a man who is intoxicated all the time. Well. No, you don't, eh? No, no sympathy. You have no sympathy for him. Well, a man who's intoxicated all the time. What do you think? (laughs) Just doesn't need any sympathy. I don't think. No, no. it was by line. I forgot it. I sure (laughs) did. That was a good one, too. Yeah. You You don't know how I enjoy taking you, do? today, now. Yes. Uh, would you hey. like to hear my story, gentlemen? Oh, are oh, going say. to continue this What is What are you sad about, chum? What are you sad about? Well, sir, I'll tell you, six months ago, my wife left me and went back to her mother. Well, that's too bad, but why are you still crying? Well, tomorrow she's coming back oh. and bringing her mother with her. Oh. Well, let's get on with the game, Bill. What do you say? Uh, Chaps, please, could I play through? Say, what are you in such a rush about? Well, I really should get home. Why? Well, you see, my house is on fire. Oh. Oh, there's nothing now nicer than coming home to a warm house. <laughs> Where was I? Well, you were teeing off. Oh, yes, yeah. okay. Now this time keep your eye on the ball. See if you can get your eye to detour around your nose. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Tell me, Charles, is it true that when you slide down a bannister, the bannister gets more splitters than you do? (laughs) Why, you bugle-beak, you... Why don't you fill your nose with helium and rent it out for a barrage balloon or... (laughs) Listen, you animated hitching post, or I'll sick a beaver on you. You'll do no such thing, Bill. You'll not harm a hair on this boy's head. That's not the end I'm going to work on. (laughs)
3: Well, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed our uh, guests today. Um, starting with this last hour with Holly Caps and uh, Catherine Sakaida from the uh, Pops, uh, Pops, the club organization talking about their anthology, dear friends, the uh, eighth annual apparently uh, before that we talked with, um, Nature photographer from uh, National Geographic talking about their new book, Octopus, Seahorse, Jellyfish, David Litschwager. And we started out this morning talking about uh, a Nat Geo book, Into the Forest, The Secret Language of Trees. That's Susan Taylor Hitchcock.
0: The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show